broadcast. This is your emergency broadcast system. It's time for the hashtag Biz with the Beer podcast. Business as you've never heard before. This is an ACS executive production. Now, belt up and shut up. It's going to be one bumpy flipping ride. May God be with you all. Once again, time for the show where the shameless get raw. It is the hashtag biz with the beard podcast. This is business as you've never heard before. I am the man whose beard is so out of control and big, I have to use Dropbox to send a selfie. What you want, Grizzly Adams? I am the beard, (laughs) Mr. Kerfee Smith. I want to thank all of our listeners from all of our platforms that you can hear us. Which include Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Anchor, and many, many more. Jesus, these guys are freaking everywhere. And if you want to support the show, you can do that and subscribe to future episodes at anchor.fm slash bizwithbeard. You can also contact us directly to my personal email for title sponsors at curfee at acsexec.com. That's C-U-R-P-H-Y at A-C-S exc.com you have to be closing all the time now before we introduce our guests i want to announce a sponsor partnership that i have with coon beard products that's right coon beard products so if you want your beard to be bold audacious brave and courageous like mine let me fill you in on a little secret i use coon beard balm and beard oils in fact i'm so stoked because coon just recently launched a monthly subscription box called the coon box where every month you are going to get $60 worth of products delivered for free for only $29 bucks a month. So what comes in the Coon box? You get beard oil, ball, beard balm, Coon soap, and other surprises each and every month. My good friend over at Coon, who is the owner, is always experimenting with new products. So anything new, he'll put in samples each month as well. It is a really good deal. So there's new scents each month, new products each month, and believe me, you won't be disappointed. I mean, check my beard out. And by the way, you have to see these wooden hand boxes that he makes that you get. They're designed specifically to hold your Coon beard oil and beard balm. Now, as a hashtag biz with beard listener, Coon is going to hook up all our bearded listeners by giving you your first month free when you sign up for Coon Box. Excuse me? That's right. All you have to do is go to CoonBox.com and use the code BizBeard when you sign up. So use that code and you'll get your first month free. That's a $60 value absolutely free. And that's coombox.com. Use BizBeard and get your first month free. Go get your beard on. All right. <laughs> Our guest is already laughing at me. <laughs> well, listen, I, I got to be honest, man. I'm very clean shaven, shaved head, I, shaved face. I know. I, after hearing all those products, though, hey, man, I think you, I might want to get a beard. Right? Yeah. Of course you want a beard. I mean, you would look badass with a beard, right? Go with the bald head and a beard. Right? I think you look totally cool. <laughs> I, I don't think I would get through pre-TSA too easily, though, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, hey, he's talking, so let me go ahead. I'm excited and pumped to introduce our next guest because this has been a long time coming. If we were live, I'm sure uh, Deontay Wadler could even hear the excitement out of his bloody ear. So the man <laughs> who is joining us today believes in the three Ps. That's persistence, patience, and perseverance. He is a former Olympic boxer. He is a professional actor who has appeared in TV and films such as Modern Day Gladiator, Played, Going Down in La La Land, and Open Gym. He is a print model for Nike, Sony, Hugo Boss, Armani. He's a good-looking damn guy, man. And has appeared in commercials for Nike and, and One. In fact, you can catch him in a self-documentary called The Honey Badger, where it covers his life as an athlete preparing for his professional boxing debut in Mexico. Uh, so, everybody... Welcome to the show, Daniel the Honey Badger Hayes. Welcome to Hashtag Biz with the Beard. Damn, that's a hell of an intro, bro. You're going to have to make me live up to that now. You you, you can live up to it. I, I absolutely. I, mean, <laughs> I, I was reading everything about you and your journey, and uh, you know I'm just blown away. And when I had the opportunity, we started talking to have you come on the show. I, I just got stoked. I mean, I, mean, I love boxing. Uh, I've never really boxed. I boxed once, I think, in my life, and that was. I mean, it's it's a hard sport. I did it once, and I said, "That's it. I'm done." I won TKO. You know what? You're a terrible liar. Nice. Man, I um, yeah, 
dude, I, I was shaking so much afterwards. I was so out of shape and I, I thought I was going to throw up. I was like, I don't want to do this ever again. <laughs> so <laughs> I have much respect for you guys. that can do that, man. I appreciate that, brother. It's definitely a sport that will test your will and it will weed you out very quickly. So there's no acting or faking it in boxing. <laughs> hey, it's mano y mano. Once you're in the ring, there, there's no running out and running away, right? Punch the guy in the face or you're going to get punched in the face. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because I was on YouTube the other day and my friend sent me a link. And it actually showed there was a – it was a few months back. or I'm not sure when it was. It was a heavyweight bout and a guy – so they did the stare down. They touched gloves everything. He went back to the corner and one of the guys started hitting himself. Like he looked pretty crazy. And the guy looked at him and then he's like, you know what? Forget this. And he walked out of the ring. No way. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Google that. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. So did you watch the fight the other night, the Wilder and Fury fight? Yes, yes. Wow, so give what me your a fight. Right? Give, give me your take on that. And I'll tell I'll give you mine cuz I I kind of I posted some stuff on Facebook about it right after the fight cuz I just I I thought it was interesting, but I want to hear your take on it. Well, I know, okay, so let's just say after the fact, like now with Deontay Wilder, it's come out that his costume was, what, 30 or 40 pounds, and, mm -hmm. you know, now he's blaming it on that. Now, again, I want to say this guy's a heavyweight champion. He has so many knockouts. I think he's the best knockout artist in the sport of boxing, period. Right. That was by far the weirdest. I just wish if he didn't say that. Yeah. With Tyson Fury, the that just goes to show that you can't judge a book by its cover. Again, he has the name Tyson Fury. He was named after Mike Tyson from his father. He grew up fighting. He's a gypsy fighter. He's a gypsy king, right. a champion. Like it's a different breed of person, you know. So he's a different breed. I don't. I, yeah, I I don't see anybody beating him. I I don't. I, just, I don't see AJ beating him. Yeah, I you, you know. know? Yeah, I mean, so I was watching the fight, right? And I was watching the beginning of it. You know, my wife's watching with my wife, and she was like, oh, yeah, I'm rooting for Fury. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know, man. He just looks so relaxed. He's so goofy. And I, I go, you know, he's not even taking it serious. And Wilder's in there looking like Clubber Lang, right? Man, he's just going through everything. And then I started thinking about mindset. And I, I love talking about mindset because, you know, that, that that's really important to me. And I think, you know, and I do a lot of business consulting. And that's one of the first things we touch on is mindset. And then I started thinking. I said, man, maybe Fury... He's already got the fight won in his head, and that's why he's so relaxed. And Wilder's maybe sitting there going through everything that he needs to do to win the fight, but he hasn't pictured himself winning it yet. And I maybe—I I don't know, but, man, Fury just went in there, and it just looked like, yep, this is going exactly how I wanted it to, and, and, and it did. And the guy is just so huge. I mean, that, that's my, I mean, is you think mindset had anything to do with it? Well, I would say mindset both guys, like both guys. Like I think to be honest, as far as when it comes to polished and performing at a high level, Deontay Wilder does visualize a lot. He visualizes a lot. Tyson Fury is just a natural fighter. I think with this one, it was just skill. Because Deontay has that one punch, and, oh, yeah, and, and that's all he's looking for, right? Tyson Fury could punch you with both hands. He could switch stances. He, he's a Swiss Army knife in there. So, And on top of that, the weight. I think Tyson Fury was much more calm, and, and obviously that helps you get into a flow state. I don't think Deontay Wilder really has a flow state just because it's always looking for that one punch. I think he will find calmness in there, but... Yeah. I don't think he has that peace when walking into the ring, if you know what I mean. Yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. Yeah, Fury's just a bit, I mean, they're both huge men. I mean, gosh, six, was it 6'9"? Yeah, Fury two, was 6'9", 270. And he was just leaning on him every time. He, and that just, I mean, you, you're you're a boxer. I mean, that's just got to wear you down, especially when someone's that much bigger than you. What, he had 40 pounds on him, is that right? At, at least, and... You know, me as a middleweight, I was always the smaller guy and I was always a pressure fighter. So that's what guys would always do to me. So I could totally, I totally, totally know how frustrating it is when you just get that body weight and how taxing that is, not only mentally, but physically as oh, yeah. well. Yeah, I bet. So what do you think? McGregor May Mayweather? You think it'll happen again? I love Connor. <laughs> I love him. <laughs> I don't know if I care to see Floyd. Like, obviously, I'll watch it, man. But right. I don't really care to to see that fight just because what are you proving? Like, for right. Floyd, what are you proving? 
<laughs> yeah, I think he made an announcement and said he's more than happy if the pay, if the payday is right to kick his ass again. So I mean, hey, <laughs> you know, I, when I watched that fight last time, when I was up in what a couple of years ago, and uh, you know, I was impressed how McGregor came out, but I knew Mayweather, Mayweather was just gonna kick. You know, he he won that thing hands down. It was just well, not even close. Um, <laughs> it's, it's yeah, like a boxer and a fighter, and it's you know he he showed it. And speaking of mindset, that's one person that I've learned a lot from is Conor McGregor with his his visualization, his mindset approach into leading up into a fight. And I, I know that's definitely made an impression on me, not only in fighting, but in entrepreneurship and any endeavor I'm going down. I mean, that, that is one athlete, speaking of mindset, that I really do admire is Conor McGregor. Yeah, it's confident, definitely, right? Uh, well, <laughs> yeah. Then, yeah, well, even after the loss, he didn't make excuses, and he, you know he gave uh, Mayweather his due, and so uh, you got to respect that. Yeah, totally, totally. So l- let's climb under the ropes and get into this if you want to, right? Let's, let's do talk, it. Let's do this, right? So Daniel, the nickname, the Honey Badger. It's a great nickname. H- how'd you get the nickname, Honey Badger, and what does it represent to or for you? So how I got that one, as I was saying, being a pressure fighter. So that was actually when I was an amateur and that was a pro sparring session. So I was going up against a pro and I would always come forward. So in MMA, I was known as El Toro, the bull, always charging forward. But with boxing, you don't always want to steamroll forward, right? Right. You just want to be there. You want to be patiently persistent, if you see what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. And that was something that I was doing a lot of in, in boxing. I was just always pressing forward. And there was a viral video at the time on YouTube about honey badgers, right? And talking yeah, yeah. about how they're the world's most fearless animal. So one time after one of the rounds, I had never, I didn't know nothing of what a honey badger was. And he said, hey, bro, you, you box like a honey badger. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know what that was, right? So I was like, whatever. And he started calling me for the rest of the training session. So I was like, whatever. I went home. I Googled it. And I was like, you know, that's a pretty cool name. So I was fighting that weekend. And I remember the ring announcer came back and he's like, all right, I'm gonna, what's going to be your walkout song? What's going to be your name? This right. and that. So I just said, you know what? Let's go with the honey badger. And I went in there and they announced uh, the honey badger and everybody's face in the crowd was so funny. (laughs) They're like, you should have seen the looks. It was so funny. But I ended up winning that fight. And I'll never forget after the fight, like weeks after people were just coming up to me. And that was the fight that they remembered because the name, the honey badger. So it just stuck with me after that. That is awesome. Great. Great. So you were (laughs) at El Toro first. So that's cool. So yeah, you, were you kind yeah. of like Tyson? I mean, because that's what Tyson did, right? I mean, he just went right up into people, right? Every time he just got up underneath them and knocked them out. That was my style. Oh, 100%. That was my style. I Straight to the point. You knew I was coming from a mile away and what I was going for. That was right. me. You fuck around with me, it's going to be consequences and repercussions. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, you have, um, you talk about, and you have uh, a creed that you live by that it's the three Ps, right? And before I got back into shape, I mean, I, I live by three P's well, and I, mine were like pizza, pie, and plump. So, but, per, but seriously, <laughs> persistence is one of the three P's of your creed. Tell us what, what does persistence mean to you, especially when you're fighting and now, and how can people become more persistent in their daily lives and career? Well, I just noticed now is with distraction, that's like such a big thing, right? Everybody's distracted and it's easy to lose focus <laughs> and whatnot, right? So with You are me, where you look, right? <laughs> exactly. It was always with persistence. It was always just sticking to it. And that's remember, I played basketball long before fighting. And that was just always my MO. I was always that guy that was constantly going at it, always in the gym, always persistent with whatever it was like I was an annoyance. So <laughs> when coming up with that mantra, it just seemed those were the top three traits that really described me the most. So that's right. really how that came about. That's all, that's good. That's great. So let's talk about the other one, right? So people see so many successful people out on social media and television, right? And they want that success now. But the reality is it takes time and you need to be patient, which is the second P, patience. Why is it so hard for people to be so patient today? And how has patience become such an integral part of your routine? Well, I think, again, we live in an age, especially like I'm a millennial, right? And I could only imagine with Gen Z 
it's just instant gratification. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to be patient. And again, this might sound cliche with trusting the process, but I owe all this to in order to be a successful athlete or just say a top performer in, in whatever field you're in, I believe you have to embody one of those three traits. And then at the top level, you'll have all three of them together. So with patience, I believe in being actively patient. So I don't mean sitting down because that's also how that can be described <laughs> as is just sitting back. Right. It's just if you're going for this goal and it's not coming right away, keep going at it. So stay persistent, but stay patient at the same time. Actively right? patient. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So that, that's a bit of my tweak on patience, if that makes sense, because I know how people don't like to sit. <laughs> so right. you can still be active, but just be patient with the process. Well, I think that you bring up a good point because you know, with social media, you get, you know, you get, you see all these success stories, and you look at it and go, well, I, I'm, I'm doing that, and how come I'm not that level? And you don't, but you don't realize, man, those people have been doing this for ten years, right? It, it took them this long to get to that point. And they were patient. There was a lot of failures. And I don't think you know, people want that instant gratification. If they don't get it, they quit. That's it. Not, I'm not there yet. So, yeah, I, I think that's a shame. And we've all been there. And uh, at this time with this instant gratification and social media and everything being thrown in your face, you can really get down on yourself. And you can get in a negative mindset and get very depressed and, uh, you know, let anxiety take you over. I mean, you know, we live in a big society now of major depression, especially in males that are drugged more than more than ever to try to get over this. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think that's a great one. Patience is just, you know, actively patient. I love that. Great. And Good another stuff. thing I, I want to say with even with social media and whatnot is a big thing I've learned more specifically over the past two years is everything you're seeing, because it's kind of cool when the people that you used to follow and now that's a peer. Or that's somebody mm-hmm. you might see every day. But I learned it takes a village to make that dream come true. It's not just that one person. But oh, no. on Instagram, you see it's that one person and they achieve this. But no, they had a lot of help along the way. So yep. that's a, another thing. But that's just human psychology and how we intake information. We just see the one thing. I think it's, it's very important, though, to always look at the bigger picture. Yeah. Well, and that leads us into the last P, right? Perseverance. and. Failures happen. How does the honey badger persevere in the midst of setbacks and failures? Exactly what I was saying with the bigger picture thinking, right? So with the perseverance, it's shucks. So let's say it was to build your business to six figures, your business, right? And Mm -hmm. let's say that first one didn't go through, but your perseverance. So maybe you start a different way a different approach. It, I think with the perseverance, it's staying persistent, but taking different approaches at it right. and keeping sight of that bigger picture. And if it was to make a six figure business, it might not be, let's say with me, the cryo studio, it might not be that it might be with a fitness studio or, or whatnot that could be taken for everything. But I think having a bigger picture thinking in mindset and staying actively persistent will lead to that perseverance. No, oh, I absolutely agree with you on that. You know, when I first got into consulting and outsourcing my business, we we changed our model uh, just recently. And it in in, a, in order for me to do that, it took a big sacrifice. Um, but I realized the way I was doing it at the beginning was not working. I mean, we had clients. You know, people were paying me tens of thousands of dollars to come fix in their business, but man, the, the ROI just wasn't there. And I was getting drained and it was just, it, it wasn't working. I said, we have, I have to do this differently. And what that meant was getting rid of a lot of the clients that I had and starting over. And it was a major setback and it's financially and what have you. But the long game is what I was looking at, not the short game, right? Can I eat dirt for a little while to persevere? Can I persevere? Can I get through this? So I, I absolutely agree with you, man. You got, you, you can't, you can't let setbacks determine your future. It's just, you got to keep going and, you know, and stay at it. That's so true. And as you said, eat dirt, that reminded me so much of Gary V. Right. Because... Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's what he said. Does it eat dirt or eat shit? What does he say? Yeah. He's like, if you're willing to eat dirt or eat shit from your 22 yeah, right? or 30s. Yeah. I, I'm a, I, listen true, Gary v. I don't listen to him as much true. as I used to. But yeah. 
<laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, that, it's true though. I mean, how many people really are? You know, and I I see that all the time, and I deal with businesses, and I say, are you prepared? I, I mean, are you really prepared to do what you need to do? Because if if you're gonna take some, if you want to change, it's gonna take change, right? It it just you got you you have to sacrifice, and a lot of people don't want to do that, and then they, and they're like, yeah. well, there's not much I can help you with. Because yeah. you're going to keep coming back to the same problems over and over because you keep approaching them the same way. And that's insanity. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. Oh, you're 100% right. Another thing I, I've learned, too, in the, the past couple of years, too, is in order to get to a different level, that requires a different version of yourself, too. So whether that's changing your daily routines, if it's a fitness goal or, or whatever it is, if you want to get to that level – you you can't get to that new level being the exact same person you are. You yeah. have to level up too. And that's something that I always, when I get down, that's something that I always just hold in my mind is, am I doing everything to better myself to get myself ready for that next level? And routine, you, you said the word right there, routine, right? And you ask any successful person, they're just not successful and fly by the seat of their pants. They live by strict routines. Right. And a lot of them, you know, some of them up early in the morning and it starts and I've read, you know, and I, I, I do a lot of research. I'm, I'm a life learner. And, you know, a lot of them say, you know, I write this stuff down. I have a checklist every morning of what I do. Um, and, and if I don't write it down, it, it doesn't get done. And but it all comes back to routine, just like you said. Yeah, and that's something that I noticed because I never used to be, if you talk to any of my friends, I never used to be an early morning riser. Never at all. <laughs> and then I don't know what it's been. It's been something that's been a gradual change where I, I enjoy I enjoy waking up early and doing that morning workout. I never used to be a morning workout person. Really? And then now, yeah, it, it, and, and that I noticed has been such a big shift. Like, mind you, I train two, three times a day. But just in changing, I noticed once I established a morning routine and once I get that ironed down, I notice the rest of my day just flows. So for me, my morning routine, I always make sure I have lemon water with pink Himalayan salt, blueberries, <laughs> bulletproof coffee. Like I, I, I right? go all nine yards. Yeah. 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 I mean, the same way. Every morning I have a big glass of water by my uh, nightstand. I have my, uh, you know, supplements and stuff right there. I open them up, I chug them. I open up the Bible and read that, do my daily devotional. And I, I mean, I just have this list that I do every morning and then it's in, into the gym. I agree with you. It's, and if I get off that, I mean, if I get off that and I skip something, it throws me off. It really yeah. does. Um, I agree. One thing that I noticed too, that's been a big difference with me is I sleep on my phone on airplane mode and I don't put my phone off of airplane mode until I've done at least 50 push-ups and awesome. I've consumed my lemon water. It's weird, right? <laughs> no, it's not. I, I mean, I, I've been, it's funny that you bring that up because I have been trying, because we're all addicted to our phones, right? And, um, it, and we're addicted to, we're just addicted to screen time. I took the TV out of the bedroom because I used to sleep to it. I used to have to watch TV and it's so stupid. My wife, it drove her nuts. I, I was a big Seinfeld fan growing up. And I would watch Seinfeld every night before I go into bed. <laughs> Just every night. <laughs> add it on. And now I the TV's no longer in here. And uh, the screen time, I, I don't, I shut down. I don't look at it. I got Alexa in the room. So I, I set my alarm to everything to her. The, like you said, the, t the, the phone goes away. And I don't look yeah. at it in the morning. I try not to. God, it's really hard. Uh, so <laughs> I try oh, I not to look at it when I get up and stuff like that to get my, you know, I, I want to get all my things out of the way before I even look at it. Because, man, you start getting distracted in that stuff, and then your I think your mindset just goes in, in too many different directions. Yeah, a mentor of mine was talking to me, like, a little bit about the science with that. He was like, you don't want to put yourself in a reactive state yes. first thing in the morning. And I noticed for me, that's just been a small change I've made that's made a big difference. And where with meditation, now I can see, hey, is this coming from a place of reaction or am I actually responding to this? That's great. So, that's yeah. Good <laughs> stuff there. That's that's great. Man, I love it. I'm going to use that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, you're a very gifted and hardworking athlete, right? And as a child, I, I read and, and through your teens, you played at a high-level soccer Football, track and field, baseball, swimming, basketball, and you were played. Or you, no, I'm sorry, you were recruited to play NCAA Division One basketball, but chose an athletic scholarship at Thompson Rivers University. Right? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. And so in this day and age, and I'm because I have kids that are athletes, and I have one child that is a, a freak athlete. 
and it's just one of those things. But I want to get your opinion on this, and because you you're an amazing boxer, but you you know you've excelled at other sports. In this day and age, we see so many kids become specialized in, in one sport. What's your opinion and advantages on that? And you know, what are the benefits in your mind to being a multi-sport athlete? I think it's very important to not only cross train just as a high school athlete, because that's actually how I got into boxing, which I was cross training with boxing for basketball for my hand speed, quickness, whatnot. But I think it's extremely important. And the only reason why I say that is because a lot of those skills that you learn from other sports are transferable. And then even for life after sport, let's say you're an individual athlete, like, let, forget even fighting. Let's say you're a gymnast. Okay, cool. But let's say you played a team sport. Remember, there's always going to be an end of that road when it comes to athletics, right? Yep. With There's a certain thing in sports that it, it teaches you, and especially now how everybody's so addicted to their phones and they're so socially awkward, et cetera, et cetera. Those team building stuff is, is very, very important. And another thing I would say is Deontay Wilder, who is a WBC champion, okay? Right. And then you have Anthony Joshua. Both those guys picked up professional fighting i think at the age of 19 or 20 and both of them were olympians right so yep. a lot goes to say about how you could transfer from sport to sport i think it's great to be specialized in it however life does happen as well too and i think having more than one experience in other sports better equips you for that didn't wasn't wilder a football player at alabama is that right so i forget which school it was but it was something it was. along those lines and, and there was another guy, gosh, and it's been a long time. You might remember this name, you might not, but I, I, there was a guy, it was a tight end at, uh, for the Indianapolis Colts. Gosh, this has probably been 15 years, maybe more. His name was Marcus Pollard. Um, he was a uh, forward, I believe, at Bradley University playing basketball. Never played football. And then but his basketball career was over. Then he went and tried out for the Colts, and he had a long, long career with the Colts as one of the, one of the better tight ends they ever had. It does transfer over. Oh, definitely. I think who, who is it on um, the Chargers was Gates. He was a collegiate basketball player. Yeah, yeah. I believe so. It was one of I those guys. Right. But yeah, a hundred, you're a hundred percent right. And again, it's it's just the trend. It's athleticism at the end of the day. Right? Yeah, <laughs> so. Exactly. Well, yeah, because I, I brought up my daughter who's uh, 16 now, um, and she's a freak athlete. And I, my, my my son, he's a really good athlete. He's my older son. He has an opportunity maybe to uh, play uh, soccer at the next level. Uh, but she's a freak. And when I say freak, <laughs> and it's, it's bad to call your daughter a freak. I know that. But so like in seventh grade, uh, she went out for track, right, just for the fun of it. She, she's always played soccer. And uh, she started really excelling in junior high at soccer where you just saw her, this gangly, goofy little kid, all of a sudden just start performing at a high level and then by eighth grade you know and she's sitting there playing on these travel teams and i mean and she's been playing on travel teams but like these you know high travel teams she played for the chicago fire senior high school team at that age level so she's wow. playing with girls that are four years older than her went to this tournament with them down in tennessee ends up making the game-winning goal in the championship you know and all of a sudden she's got colleges calling her Right. And I told her, I said, you're in a weird, <laughs> I said, not, I said, not many kids at your age start getting looked at when they're not even freshmen yet in high school. And I said, yeah, I said, you keep working hard. You keep your head down, keep pushing forward because she, if you look at her out there, she's, she's a big kid. She's fast. Uh, she's faster than everybody out there. And it's just, you know, she doesn't look like a freshman. But so getting back in track, she was not to get off the subject, but it, so she went out for track in seventh grade. And her older sister ran track. It was she was a pretty good athlete, but they kind of just you know put her into long distance because that's what her older sister did. And then in eighth grade, they said, "Well, what do you want to try?" They did. They put her and started doing short distance, like the hundred yard dash, the two hundred, four by one hundred. She went undefeated the whole season. Jeez. <laughs> went and <laughs> she was she she was you know she didn't get the school records in those areas, but she no one touched her in, in, in the area. And then here's here's where she's a freak. So it was one of the last meets of the year. I think it was the second to last meet before regionals, before they qualify for state. They asked her if she can do the high jump because the other high jumpers weren't there. She goes over there. She wins the meet. Next week for the regionals, she tries the high jump. She asks the coach, now which foot do I jump off on? Wow. <laughs> he tells her, no, this is good. She goes and breaks the high jump record for the school. <laughs> so... 
So she's just one of those kids, right? And now she's running track through AAU. She's uh, ranked All-American. And she's, and the good thing about her, she's a great kid. Um, but I, I told her, I said, it's, a, it's that multi-sport athlete. You've got it, – it plays on both levels, so you got to keep going. So if Harper's listening, love you, kiddo. You're doing great. Keep at it. Keep your head down, man. So, and that's hella impressive. <laughs> yeah. Hella yeah, impressive. She, I, mean, I mean, she works hard, but there's, some, there's something in there. It's just, it was just one of those things, right? So – that's um, very special. Let's, let's talk about my story. Let's get back to you. I'm sorry about that. Before we get to the <laughs> break here, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna you know give you a quote, and then I want you to talk about it a little bit. And here's the quote: I don't know if you're gonna win, but I know you'll come out of this a better fighter. And now those are the words of professional boxer Mady Albidi uh, to you just before a Golden Gloves tournament. You went on to win the tournament, become a top ranked middleweight. Take us to the corner of the ring at that exact moment when he said that to you. And tell me in that moment what those words did for you and what do they mean to you now? That exact moment was a paradigm shift for me. And the reason for that whole thing is because because of my athletic base, right? Yeah. I was always favored to win just because I was the better athlete, right? And with this particular guy, he was much, much more skilled than me. He had been boxing for so much longer, but I always had the, not only athletically, physically, but mentally, just because of going through collegiate sports, right? And for me, in that moment, when hearing that, I was just like, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I was, because he was always my, my rock. He would always gas me up before a fight. He, I never heard anything negative. I was always favored to win. Are you going to go in there, champ? You're going to do your damn thing. I would always hear that. That was the first time I heard any hesitation in his voice. However, when I say that was a light bulb moment is because he knew what I was training for. He knew right. what was on the horizon with professionals and Rio and all that stuff. So he knew that this was a necessary experience for me to get under my belt. And that moment right there, to be honest with you, was a huge paradigm shift for me in my entire life and the way I approach everything. And that's where I really learned bigger picture thinking. Was just because these, yeah, these these experiences are very necessary. But this experience is going to equip you to be successful in whatever you're going after. And for me, in that point, was boxing. Wow. So it's basically kind of like was it almost like a paradigm shift in your mindset that I'm going to prove everybody wrong and everyone come, comes across obstacles and I can overcome them? Or I mean, tell me about that. No, 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 no. It was more of a I'm about to go through this fire. And I know by going through this fire, I'm going to be stronger for it. Okay. Win, lose, fail. And that's really where I learned a winner learn mentality. And to truly embody it, it's like anybody could say that and be corny and, and like make themselves mm -hmm. feel good. But I'm talking like, yo, you went in there, you, you were a dog about it. You went in there, you gave it your best shit. You lost. Okay, cool. Learn from that shit. But now when right. you go into the next battle, you have that under your belt. So you're going to be better for it. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, hey, I, I, we got to take a break. And so it's like, it's that time of the show. Um, I'll let you catch your breath and I'll, I'll grab a drink of water because I think I need one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and when we come back, the Honey Badger will share with us his uh, 2016 Olympic setback and his other ventures and uh, what else is in the cards for him. So uh, we'll be right back. before with us today is the honey badger mr daniel hayes welcome back bud thank you brother hey so i kind of touched base on it before we took on the break uh you were destined for the 2016 olympics right yes sir and you were a top-ranked amateur and a major injury set you back to not realizing that dream and i'm sure it was disappointing and, and i know there's a great story behind this and how that injury happened can you share with it? Can you share that with us? That moment that when you when the injury happened, 
So this actually set up from the last question was perfect because when talking about that bigger picture thinking, right? So I'll just run you through what happened there. So I'm in a fight. I end up breaking my hand in the fight. So I punch the guy. I'm a southpaw. Yeah. Yeah. In the fight. Connect with his face um, with my left hand, right? I start feeling a numbing sensation. I, I knew something was wrong. Now, mind you, I had never broken my hand before, but I knew something was wrong. And at this time, I had a bit of an old school trainer, and I didn't feel like getting yelled at because, you know, old school boxing trainers, like, ah, suck it. Like, I didn't, like, <laughs> I guess you could say I'm a modern day athlete. Like, yo, you don't need to tell me that. I'm already going right. to push, right? <laughs> so my buddy was sitting ringside, my childhood best friend, who, by the way, is the reason why I went to TRU because we went to school together there. So he was sitting okay. ringside. And I, I remember I mouthed to him, I broke my hand. And he just said back to me, like, because I could only read his lips, it was so loud. It's okay, get through it. And that was all I needed to hear, right? Yeah. And even going back to the to the golden gloves, like with, with with that whole thing with the bigger picture thinking, mind you, I had other bouts with anxiety. You can only imagine all the thoughts that are going through your head at that time. Right. And you're in the corner, you're gassed, it's a hostile environment. And I just remember I, I wasn't even listening to much. I don't even know what he was saying because I, I, I was zoned out at that point. And I was just thinking, get through it, D. Get through it. You got this. You got this. I was just thinking, calm. Be calm. Be calm. And I punched my way out of there. But because I kept punching him with a broken hand, that's what caused the bone to disalign. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. And then I had to... So I, I thought, oh, I'm like... And of course, old school boxing. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah you're going to be fine. Yeah, broken hand. Right. right. <laughs> and then I get to the hospital and they do an x-ray. And first they say, your hand's too swollen. We can't do anything about it right now. This swelling has to go down. So I said, okay, fine. I had to wait a couple of days. They got, luckily I was blessed. I got one of the best surgeons in LA and they had to operate on my hand. They had to put two pins into my hand just oh, to realign man. the bone. And that was for me the biggest setback I had ever felt at the time. And probably the biggest adversity I had ever felt because here I am getting ready to springboard everything. And mind you, 2016 was a lot of injuries for me. I had labrum injuries. I had like, it's just a lot because that's what fighting does. It takes such a toll on you, right? Yeah. And for me, that was, that was one of my lowest lows, but one of my biggest strengths that I formed after going through that. It's well. It's interesting. What 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 round was that when you broke it? Do you know, do you remember? It was very early. It was very early because I had I hurt him early in the fight, and he was done. Like I I so again, like I said, I'm a pressure fighter. You ain't ready to handle that pressure. <laughs> so, yeah. So I and I just beat him up to the body. So I, I have an old school fighting method where it's just like I just go straight to the body. So I'm taking out his liver. I'm taking out his kidneys. He can't breathe. I remember blood's coming out of his mouth. I was pummeling him and but he was Mexican and he had that Mexican heart. He was so, so tough. <laughs> so he, wasn't he just down. wasn't going down. Yeah, man. So how many rounds so did you go afterwards? Him. I had to pretty much the majority of the fight was with a broken hand. Oh my and gosh. that's why it was so that's why it was so bad because I kept punching him with it. And I thought after every punch I hit him with the left hand, okay, he's gonna go down now. But he did. <laughs> so, and that's my power hand. I'm a southpaw. So, did you check yourself, or did you fall into a slump after that? Man, so, geez. so after you know, it's tough. I mean, now talking about it is very easy. And and during going through it, it was, it was extremely tough because you go from the highest high, especially as a fighter, when you're training for a fight. And this is what people don't understand is you're such in a peak state, both mentally and physically. And to not even being able to put your hospital gown on. I remember I was getting an anxiety attack going into surgery. Like with the surgeon, I was like, they were giving me anesthesia and I wasn't going under. And Uh then he's, he's like, listen, you're very good at what you do. And in your part of the world and whatnot, I'm very good at what I do. So I need you to trust me here. <laughs> I, I remember he said that before I went under. Him. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no. But it, it was that was a whole one. And then, you know, trying to put your hospital, get, not even to be able to do anything for yourself. I couldn't open a can. I couldn't reach yeah. up and get this because you just have this huge cast on. And not only do you have a cast on, you have metal in your body now. So you don't want anything touching it. Right. Right. Yeah. And that just I, I would put on a front. I would put on this front, like everything's good. So, so people would call to check up on me. Hey, congrats, this and that. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. So I'd have a few hours of productivity, but then when everybody was away and it would get dark, I would literally go through a bottle of tequila a day. This is this oh, is wow. in 2016. Yeah, when THC in California, you could get a prescription for it. So I was taking a lot of THC and CBD, and it did heal my hand in record time, mind you. But I was just I just got into binge eating, binge drinking, McDonald's every day. <laughs> and I, I was like literally like a not to the degree of Tyson Fury where he was, but right. I mean I, I lost myself. A hundred percent I lost myself. And it was just one night I, I saw myself in the mirror there and that's where I guess you could say I had a little bit of a conversation with myself. And that that's kind of what led me back into the light. Wow. So, I mean, you, you admit it. I mean, you were depressed, right? Oh, 100%. I, I didn't know what to do. I, I didn't because you're an athlete your whole life. and you, Or even if you're not an athlete, you could go work out. You could do a push-up. You could you could run. I couldn't even sweat. Yeah. So I I didn't even know uh, what to do with myself, right? Yeah. And it, it's just – it's crazy because that – also showed me in going through that experience how important having a sense of purpose is and i really is that how you got out of it is this the the sense of purpose or what to be honest in that in that moment (laughs) in that moment the reason why is i had a little bit before looking at my mirror looking in the mirror when i was brushing my teeth is I had a little bit of an ego check because I was supposed to take my shirt off and I didn't want to take it off because I was so self-conscious with my body. For the first time in my life, so I'll I'll admit it was a little bit more ego-driven, was was that that switch for me was a little bit more ego-driven. But when I saw and I'm looking at myself, I'm like, dude, what the hell are you doing to yourself? Is this you, champ? And then from there, I just said, you know what? I'm going to best equip myself. I'm going to stop the drinking. I'll still do the CBD, whatnot. And I'm just going to make sure when this cast comes off, I'm ready to seize the moment. And I treated that when the cast came off as day one of my new life. And that's really what, what kind of switched it for me. And yes, it was ego driven. I could admit that at this point in time that got me back into it. But hey, at least that's what did, and I didn't go lower, you know? Right. No, exactly. Well, and, it, and it's great to not great. Um, but it's nice that you can admit because depression is, it's just got, it's had such a bad term. And I think a lot of people use the term lightly, but like you said, you made mention a couple things, right? You had the front where, Hey man, I'm doing good and doing great. And as soon as they walked away, turned their backs, man, you, you know what, you know what it's like. And I, you know, I've been depressed my whole life, man. I had a career where it just everything I did. And it sounds like you, right? I'm not a boxer. I'm not an athlete. I mean, not at your level. Um, but everything I did always just worked out. Here was my plan. I'm doing this. It's working out. No setbacks, nothing. It might have had a couple here and there, but I could always overcome them. And then you have that major setback. And it's like a weird feeling when you always succeed, 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 and you have a major setback like that. It is the most darkest, heaviest feeling that I've never felt before in my life. And I always thought, like, it's more than a sadness, right? It's just, It's just really tough. And, and, and I've always kind of always thought, and, and I, I was one of those people who said, yeah, just get over it, get off, you know, shake it off and get going, man. It is what it is. But I never really understood it until it actually really hit me. And, uh, you know, so, you know, that's awesome that you know, I don't give a shit. It, it was your ego that got you over that. You did it. <laughs> right? And, yeah, and, and yeah. Whatever that, whatever that launching pad was, you, you did it. And whatever you, and that's the thing. I think you need to find out what that launching pad is for you in order to do that. So that that's awesome, but you know it didn't stop there though, did it? Right? You you had another setback, a major one, and I and I just saw this. And I watched the video, and I want you to share this everyone because here you are. You had this injury; it set you back. The Olympics are out, right? And and you look at yourself. You've been drinking, and now you're getting yourself going back in the right direction. 
and now you're on a plane. Not too long after that, right? Mm -hmm. You had an experience on that flight. Tell me what happened. So let me let me walk you through that. So after I recovered from the handbrake, like I was saying, remember I was saying all these injuries and you're sore, yeah. right? I got into cryotherapy because I had been doing cryotherapy to recover. So as an entrepreneur, because I believed so much in it, I then opened up a cryotherapy business with two locations, one in Calabasas, one in North Carolina. So I'm an entrepreneur now, and I'm also back training for my next fight. At that point in time, I felt like Superman again, but stronger this time, mentally, physically. I had this experience under my belt. I had been forged through that fire, and I'm thinking I'm indestructible again. And I get on an airplane. So this was actually right after Manny fought. Who did he fight? Oh, my gosh. It was summertime. Ah, slips of mind who he fought. Sorry, I can't but it was one of his fights. Yeah. And so we, we, you know, we had a good bit of tequila the night before, right? And I get on the flight, and I'm traveling the next day, so that's why I was drinking the night before. And I'm on the plane. I get this this sudden urge. I, I gotta go. Like, but this was more nature's scream. So I the get bathroom, up, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. I I run to the restroom, seatbelt sign or not, and I didn't make it in time. Like, I I oh. literally shit my pants. Right. Yeah. And it was it was an uncontrollable experience. Like imagine you're running and, and all of a sudden you just like you're like, what? Right. So I, I didn't know what happened. So then, you know, you have those self-doubt and then you're just trying to wonder because that never happened. So I'm thinking, OK, maybe because I had drank a lot the night before. I, I, don't, I don't know what this was. And it, it, the thing is, it, it kept on going. It, it kept on happening. So a, a week now. And I think. I, I thought it was food poisoning. So what I was doing is I was taking Imodium and just so I can get through the day. And I just kept going a steep, steep decline. Like I'm talking you're losing two pounds in a day. Oh, wow. And I, I ended up losing 30 pounds in just a couple of weeks. And I was in and out of the hospital all summer. So what had happened is I got what's an autoimmune disease called colitis. Wow. And that ran rampant in my system, and that was caused from a specific strand of food poisoning called Campylobacter, which I had contracted from I don't know what. And man, you want to talk about? I didn't know depression, like the handbrake, all that. And I, I would, at that point in time, I would have traded anything for that because right. we depend, especially like on athletes, as your mental strength, your physical strength, everything, right? You can't even think like when when you're in that state, because what people don't understand is your gut is your second brain. And mm -hmm. I couldn't even think. And, and the antibiotics were screwing me up. Like I, I would try to walk. I, I'm aching. I had to walk around with the IV everywhere in the hospital. I couldn't sleep probably for about a month just because you're constantly going to the restroom. It was the most traumatizing. I still have PTSD from it. And that that was the darkest days of my life you're all right now you've got it under control or oh i'm blessed and i'm so much stronger now yeah. so it going through that fire I'm, I'm i'm back better than i've ever been and if i ever encounter anything like that again i'm more than prepared for it but now i feel like really is my purpose in going through all those adversities is to bring other people up because not everybody, and I realized in going through that, even with the medical system and whatnot, nobody cares. These doctors don't freaking care. They're reading it. They're reading the thing off of the screen. They don't even. Mm -hmm. They're not even asking you questions. Right. Right. So yeah. it was now. Now I, I'm so much more drawn to to just helping from any way I can, and I guess maybe that's the athlete in me, where it's mentoring younger athletes or whatnot, because athletes always do that with one another. And that's always what I'm drawn to now. We're coming close to the end of the show, and I want to talk about a couple of things. What always amazed me when I first uh, started watching you and stuff like that, I go, dude, this guy's too good looking to be a damn boxer. I mean, <laughs> why does he want to beat up that pretty face? Uh, if you're winning, no one's hitting you, right? So I guess that's all right. <laughs> so, uh, we may mention it. You've done, you've done some ads and stuff like that, but you've also, there's a movie out there, right? Uh, and, and let's talk about the movie, The Honey Badger. It's your sports documentary that follows you as you prepare for your professional fight in Mexico. Talk yeah. about how and why you wanted to do this movie, and then tell us about the decision to do it in, you know, in a hostile environment like Mexico and not here in the U.S. 
Well, so with the Honey Badger, so the HoneyBadgerFilm.com, anybody can watch it if they want to see it. That fight actually captures where I broke my hand. Really? So it was, yeah. So that fight would totally explain everything that went through leading up to the fight. Obviously, as soon as I broke my hand, I was like, I'm done. I'm not filming anymore. Yeah, yeah. F all this, right? This is really my life, guys. I don't want any cameras on me. Sounded good at first, and now I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But doing doing the fight with, with all that, it was just really the reason why I wanted to do the documentary is because I realized with basketball and just looking back on my athletic career, because basketball was such a foundation for me athletically, I didn't have much memories of it. So I said, you know what, with boxing, I'm going to cherish each and every one of these moments and the experiences. So with my buddy, he had always shot music videos and he always talked about doing documentaries. So I had this upcoming fight and I said, all right, Let's do this. I'm going to give you full access to anything you need. I got you. Obviously, that backfired on him after, but <laughs> after the fact. But, and then that's it was a collaborative effort. We went through it and we had been on the same basketball team together in college. So we were used to spending time in those close quarters. So it, it was very, very, it was seamless. I, I didn't even know he was there and we connected so organically. It, it was flawless when it comes to that. Yeah, no, that's cool. So it's it's honeybadger.com, right? The honeybadgerfilm.com. Honeybadgerfilm.com. Okay, make sure we got that. Yeah, yeah. And we actually went on the film festival circuits. We won a bunch of awards. It, it was a really, really, really cool experience, and I'm very glad I did it. That's cool. So, well, tell me, kind of talking about, uh, you know, media and, and what have you. So what is this Rumble HB I'm hearing about? So Rumble HB, as an athlete, you learn there's always a story behind a story, right? right? And for me, it was it's always a certain set. And that's why I enjoy talking with you in this interview, because it's not such set interview questions where it's right. like, oh, why did you get into fighting? And this, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So you get those questions a that million times. <laughs> yeah. Especially answering it is worse because yeah. you then all of a sudden go into autopilot, right? Yeah. So. With Rumble HB, to be honest with you, it's really the story behind the story. And I'm actually not, it's not only athletes, it's entertainers, it's artists, it's entrepreneurs, whatever. But it's really those heartfelt questions that really are going to evoke thought and emotion. And not deep, like it's not going to be deep. It's just going to be just a different approach. Like, hey, I actually want to get to know you. I don't want to get to know you as the athlete or the artist. I want to get to know you as a person. And that's really it. Yeah. Well, and I think that's awesome because you're right. I mean, when I started this podcast, and it, it's it's the podcast about business, but it's just not business business. It's about the business of mindset. It's the business of uh, sports. It's the business of healthy living, your body. I I, I believe there's like five cores uh, that you really need to stick to. It's you know your mindset, your body, your business, and the the ability to manifest money, uh, your relationships uh, with your family and your business partners. Lastly, your identity. Right. What's your legacy and stuff like that. And I think that's really important. And in order to get to that, I believe you have to get to the core of you. And and it's not the stupid like you said, the stupid high level questions. It's about, you know, hey, I, I, I want to know how did you really get there? You know, tell me about your failures, because every, I don't think people understand that and they want to hear that because if they can hear the failures and they can say, man, well, I can overcome that, too, because he did or she did. And I think that's important. Ah. But speaking, no, I appreciate of, that. but speaking of that, let's let's in the show on this last question. What does Daniel want his legacy to be? Somebody who made a difference, and that's something that when I was on that hospital bed and the lowest of lows, thinking, googling ways to commit suicide, that was something I said, wow. God, if you if you get me back to where I once was, I promise I'm going to make a difference, even if it's just one life. I promise I'm going to make a difference. And that was it when my legacy is done. And, you know, it's very sad to see with Kobe. But now all those stories are coming back on yeah. how personally he made that difference. But he didn't even care for the accolades. And yeah. I'm not even trying to make it about Kobe or anything like that. But that was me and my personal thing. I'm like, if I could just change one life or just help one person, like, because I felt so hopeless in that moment coming out, of, like with your health, with everything. Right. And, and you don't feel anybody else is going to understand you. If I could just touch one person, I'm happy. 
I'm happy. That's awesome. And I, and I totally believe that. Um, it's a mindset that I've been trying to change because I used to be in that mindset, just make money, 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 money. And now I'm in this thing. I just want to help people, man. And I'm going to do it yeah. by leading with love, right? When I'm, I'm going into business and they're paying me money, it's not about that. It's I want to help them. You know, I was on a call this morning with one of my clients and I, he, he, <laughs> he goes, man, you're getting really jacked up, Curfee. You get more jacked <laughs> up than I am. And I said, well, man, because this is exciting. This is everything we plan and it's working. And, you know, I, I love seeing this come to fruition. And it's just, it, it gets me all jacked up. That's important to me, helping people. And I think leading with love. And, and, and you brought up Kobe. What a sad story. But I think, you know, I mean, he went through his challenges, right? You know, I watched the uh, funeral. Did you watch it or? Of course, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then the one that really, I mean, yeah, I mean, Jordan's speech would just really Oh, my me God. Up. I mean, yeah. that, just, that killed me. Uh, Shaq's was great, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but the one, his best friend, when he told him the story that in Kobe's last moments before he died, I mean, the last minutes before he died, his legacy, he's sitting there helping somebody, right? Mm-hmm. He's texting on the phone to try to help this young girl get to the next level. Yeah. You know, he could be on that helicopter just relaxing, enjoying his daughter, enjoying the time and, you know, to where they're getting going. Man, he, he was constantly, he was helping people. He knew his platform that he had and he had established and the, the level that he got to. And it wasn't like, hey, I'm great. I'm Kobe. It's no, I'm going to take that. I'm going to use it to help people. And oh. that story just hit that, that one hit me. I was like, wow, that was good. Yeah. Another one that hit me on that, too. And the reason why, you know, since we're speaking about it, we is because a lot of times I would have looked at Kobe and I would not have felt weird because I knew somebody else was doing it. So when Rob Polinka, that was his best yeah, friend, Rob, yep, yep. who was talking, yeah, who was talking about how they were going to the local tennis club because that's something exactly I would do. If I would lose, I would go back the next day. I would get the best trainer and I would start <laughs> practicing. <laughs> and then that's why, like, when I heard that, it just and you know. He was now starting to spread all the wisdom and the nuggets of stuff he went through as an athlete. And I was soaking all that up, man. And it, it just it felt so it felt so reassuring that D, you're not weird, bro. There's other yeah. people like you out there. And it, it sucks. It's just, it's just really sad. But that was one story that, that really, really touched me with Rob Polinka. Well, yeah, yeah, it's funny. And I, I'm I'm very competitive too. I hate losing. And my family will tell you that. We play board games or whatever. I I, I I win. I don't let my kids win. <laughs> I, you know, and my wife goes, "Why don't you let them win?" I said, "They will win when they learn to beat me." You know, they're six, that. they're seven years old. I go, "I don't care. I don't. I do not do them any good by letting them win. They need to earn it." So, yeah. me and my niece were playing Mario Kart, and then my mom was saying the same thing. She's like, "Why do you? What just learn? Nope, nope. She's gonna have to beat me." <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. She gonna learn today. <laughs> Oh man, Daniel, this has been an honor to have you on today. You know, I really appreciate it. your story is amazing. You're a true inspiration to many. Thank you so much for your wisdom, your generosity today. Uh, I, I'm ex- excited to continue to watch your story and your journey. Um, hopefully, we, we stay in touch. You know, if you're out we're out in North Carolina, you know, I'm just down the way in Atlanta. Maybe we can hook up. Much love and success to you, buddy. Brother, I appreciate it, man. I really, really did enjoy this conversation because it's not your typical interview. It's not your typical podcast. And <laughs> thank you for sharing that story with your daughter, man. That's inspiring. You know, I, and I told her, I said, hey, it could all go away tomorrow, man. So you got to keep working hard, uh, just not physically, but mentally as well. So, no, I appreciate that. And uh, I'll let her know if she listens. So I, my kids don't like to listen to my show. My, my youngest does. She thinks it's funny. But the, the rest of them, they're like, they th- they're, they're embarrassed of dad. So <laughs> <laughs> you know how it is, teenagers. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Good deal. Well, is there anything else, Daniel, that you want to plug or mention before we, we take off? Anybody that's listening, let's connect on social at this is D Hayes. That's on all social platforms. Would love to connect. Follow along with the journey. Appreciate you guys for listening. All right, guys, that's at this is what is it? at this is D Hayes, right? Yeah, yeah. That's it. Hey, hey, reach out to Daniel, man. He, he, he's an amazing individual, uh, and, and we, we loved having you on. So again, thanks for coming on, buddy. I really, really appreciate it. Appreciate you, brother.
All right, man. So, hey, I just want to remind everyone to subscribe at anchor.fm slash bizwithbeard, then share it with your friends. And don't forget, while you are there, if you want to feature your business by sponsoring a future episode or help supporting the show, all you have to do is hit listener support, and we can feature you or your business at the beginning of the show. Again, thank you so much, Daniel, uh, for joining us today. Also, remember, hashtag bizwiththebeardlisteners, especially the guys with the beards. Coon Beard Prog is going to hook you all up by giving you your first month free when you sign up for a Coon Box. All you have to do is go to CoonBox.com and use the code BizBeard when you sign up. Uh, use the code and you'll get your first month free. That is CoonBox.com. Use code BizBeard and get your first month free. All right, so that's it, friends. Another show's in the books, but never fear. The beard will always be here. Until next time, <laughs> same beard time, same beard channels. Good afternoon, and thank you for listening to Hashtag Biz with Beard. Remember, every genius idea starts with the stroke of a beard. Have a successful day. Hey, Hashtag Biz with Beard and Bald fans. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. It was brought to you by... ACS executives. Let me ask you something. As an entrepreneur or business owner, are you tired of struggling with running your business? Do you feel you can drive more revenue, improve your profits, and run more efficiently if you had a little help? Well, you are not alone, and there is a solution for you. Like many small businesses, as the owner, you wear a lot of hats. And why wouldn't you? You started this thing, so you're very careful and particular about it. Well, at ACX Executives, we do a deep dive into your business to help your business grow revenues, improve profits, acquire capital, and run more efficiently. We just don't point out problems. We help you resolve them through our family of companies and the solutions they provide. We share some of the best practices and processes and coach you and your team through them. Our suite of quality products and services will help you get there quickly and smoothly. That's how we ensure your success. So visit us at acsexec.com or call us at 1-800-495-6505 and schedule a free 30-minute consulting assessment. Have a successful day, and we hope you enjoy today's episode of Hashtag Biz with Beard and Bald.